Thank you for downloading this episode of the Carbon Life Pods. Conversations with the creative, successful, inspired outliers. Available on Fountain App, Spotify, Apple Podcast and Anchor FM. Special shout out goes to at T infinity forward slash 21M on Twitter, who won this podcast's first ever competition by posting a clip of an episode on social media. The prize was 21,000 sats, a shout out in an episode and a Coach Carbon goodie bag. Who wouldn't want that? You can get involved too by downloading Fountain App and listening to your favorite podcast through the platform, providing the listener with an opportunity to engage directly with the content creators. Be on the lookout and keep your ears to the ground for future competitions. If you can't wait to win some sats, then you can earn some by using the affiliate link coincorner.com forward slash social forward slash coach carbon. Create an account and receive £10 when you purchase £100 or more worth of Bitcoin. For any European listeners, you can use affiliate link bitcoinreserve.com forward slash ref forward slash coach carbon and receive €10 with your first qualifying Bitcoin purchase. Not only will you be peering your head into the rabbit hole of financial curiosity, You'll also be doing your part to fix the money and eventually fix the world. Until such time, whether you're working, exercising or relaxing, please enjoy this conversation and allow it to spice up your life. So I'm super excited about this conversation. One, because uh, the topic that we're going to discuss first, I have quite a big interest in or did uh, when I was growing up, but also I think our conversation could possibly go into deeper issues um, that one will possibly uh, challenge me, but it'll be interesting to see where we go. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, and honestly, this is such a fantastic podcast. I'll say I just think it's such a great initiative. Um, but yeah, my name is Amanda and I'm an architectural and free to be on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so gutted. I missed a bit of that. I think it might be my connection. Um, so I will ask, so if you could introduce yourself again, and if I need to, I will edit it. If not, yeah, um, it will just be a double take. <laughs> okay, no, that's what, is it my, can you hear me okay? We're, we're all good now. Head? We're all good now. Yeah, all okay. Now. <laughs> we are live. See, look, it's real life. <laughs> no, hi, everybody. Um, no, it's really great to be on the podcast today. I'm really, really excited. My name is Amanda Salome, um, and I am a recent graduate and architectural designer and graphic designer based in Oxfordshire. So it's really, really great to be on the podcast today. Wicked. So you hit the first, let's say hitting in our heads, your first point straight away, architecture. When I was younger, I told my mom I wanted to be an architect. I was going to design and build <laughs> a house. Graphic designer. I wanted to be a graphic designer in year 11 when I did my um, work experience. I didn't. I applied to a company that they didn't accept yeah. me. So then I ended up doing a uh, two weeks with a with Oxford United Football Club, and that led oh me. Down, I was already down that path anyway. But then it just, you literally uh, went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder what would what would have happened if I if I did that those two weeks with the the firm. But hey ho, like life is what it is. But um, <laughs> could you just uh, briefly explain like what your role consists of now, um, and then obviously how you how you got to where you are. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think in in the back of my mind, I've always sort of wanted to go into architecture. It's it's always been something along the path. If not architecture, then something to do with design or fashion or arts. I knew that was definitely going to be something creative that I was going to go into. But I think 
when I was younger, my skills, I was definitely creative, but I was also really shy. So I thought, actually, I probably wouldn't want to go into something in a leadership position. Um, but surprisingly, like all my roles up until now have been in a leadership position, which is crazy. So prior to me becoming an architectural designer, um, I worked as an enterprise support assistant um, and then develops my role into a coordinator, um, which is basically someone who organizes events, workshops and programs for startups. And I think being in this role specifically helps me so much. Like it helped me build up my students, helped me kind of have no experience in events and leading events, um, talking to like stakeholders and that sort of thing. So yeah, as especially like I was, I was the only black girl in my, um, in my workplace. And I think that's something also to bear in mind is that when you when you do finish university, some of the professions that you want to go into, you will be the only black person there. Like, uh, and and that the same thing also happened when I when I stepped into the architectural industry as well. Again, I was the only black person there. So, in a way, like it's something that I had to grow the confidence to get used to, and I think um sometimes that can really like impact the way you um the way you approach different tasks because I think you start to compare yourself in different ways you start to compare your opportunities you start to compare where you are where sort of where you began in the workplace and I think it, I've heard it so many times um even you know on, on my own podcast I've had it so many times from um the people on our social media um that it's it's so difficult to get yourself out of the mindset that you're you're just as good or better than um but yeah but I'm going on a bit of a tangent but yeah that's how I <laughs> that's how I ended up in the architectural industry is that I took myself out of that mindset I said I'm I'm I am going to become like that's my goal that's what I want to do um I found myself a mentor an amazing mentor um who works for Mars um and it yeah no after that I just I set myself a goal and just you know br brushed off all the all the negativity um and all the kind of setbacks that I had in the back of my head and just yeah. just went for it so I, I like that you touched upon the minority <laughs> um yeah point straight away because there was something I was hoping to lead on to but obviously yeah. I have I have a silly, similar experience being a black person. Um, yeah. I was obviously aware of it in the construction industry. Um, there were others around me, um, but as I moved up the ladder, um, you said that, yeah, I moved up the ladder into leadership roles, you notice that there weren't many people that looked like you. And I think one, yeah, one moment in time stands out is when we had a labourer on site. And sometimes we used to pick labourers up um, who couldn't travel. And I picked this guy up and he come from London um, and he got in my car and he went, rah, Black site manager. I'm like, All right. Okay. So yeah. He said, I've never seen one, I've never seen one before. <laughs> yes, I love that though. I love it. I love it when you see another black person, you're like, oh my guy. <laughs> but, then, but then yeah. So having you said having the, the thought in the back of your head for a long time after that, yeah. right, right until right up until I left. I think we had a conversation when we first met, which we'll go on to. But yeah, I always thought to myself, can I leave this role? Because I am inadvertently flying the flag um but if I don't do it is there anyone else that's going to follow up and then 
towards the end I got to thinking but if I'm not happy I shouldn't shouldn't continue I shouldn't have to continue doing this but yeah yeah there should be people follow following follow me through and there there are other people I know with different different within different companies who have climbed the ladder um but it's just you're not seeing that many and there may be there'll be several reasons for that or yeah mm-hmm. many many reasons um but that goes on to when we met um it was last December December 2020 yeah. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd already hosted a presentation called The Black Print, and this was The Black Print 2. Um, it came around from the BLM movement and the, me trying to engage the local community. And it wasn't just for Black people, it was for everyone, but I wanted to engage the Black community. Mm-hmm. So The Black Print 2 mm-hmm. um, revolved around uh, people in the community who had their own businesses, entrepreneurs, and linking them with young people as sort of role models, mentors, and just to say, there are jobs in in, this, in in the world that we don't necessarily know about, but we can help you find, seek those out and network sort of thing. And that's how we met through a mutual friend, Lydia. Um, and then <laughs> I, just obviously listening to your introduction when you when you came to the talk, I found that we had so much in common. So obviously the graphic design experience, and then we discovered we yeah. both do podcasting. Obviously I was very yeah. new at the time. It was like, I could see the creative <laughs> creativeness in you. Like, I need, to, yeah. I, need to, I need to get to know Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, now, now you're, you're, fly, you're flying by with the podcast and everything that you're doing as well. So I think that I really admired actually when I, when I did meet you was that honestly, the, the event that, that, you, that you held was just so, so, so important. And I think even just hearing everybody's story, everyone was on... And if you walked into the room, you, you wouldn't know where anybody came from or their walk of life. And I think kind of just hearing everyone's story, young, old, teenager, young adult, everybody had a story to tell. And I think that was just, it's just so, so, so important. And I think also like, like you said, like when, like when you are the, the only black person, sometimes that journey can be incredibly lonely um especially when it's not just in terms of like just seeing another black person I'm talking about having certain conversations and that kind of thing and I think sometimes you do feel like oh should I be doing this you know just to kind of um should I be doing this so other people can follow behind me or should I do this because it genuinely makes me happy I don't think you should do anything that doesn't make you happy I don't think you should you should just be in something to lead the crowd I think if you're going to do something you have to want to do it and I think then you'll you'll find more motivation to make it worth it Mm. and I think um I think that's the thing about being if you want my minority ethnicity is that there's there there will never be that many there will never be a a lot of and uh, unless you're specifically within a community of of a minority minority ethnic group so I think, yeah, I think in a way, um, it, it might sound bad, but I think sometimes black people need to learn how to be confident and stand. And I think, but we also need to support each other as well. So if somebody does want to, you know, go into architecture um, or if somebody wants to go into graphic design, just because I may not want to go um, into graphic design specifically, it doesn't mean that I can't support them in their journey. Or if, for example, somebody wants to go into the food industry, just because I don't, I don't really know much about the food industry, doesn't mean I can't give somebody else the confidence to go into their career path. So I think it's more, it's not just about, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, only helping people who are in the same 
sort of industry or sort of field that you are familiar with is giving someone else the confidence to do what they want to do um, and supporting them in that journey and I think as a community sometimes we are we don't often support each other I think it's always like um, sometimes we just like to either take 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 and not give anything back so I think <laughs> you know <laughs> you just like to take 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 and it's sometimes you just need to you just need to help someone on their journey like if you see someone struggling you don't need to be the CEO of x y and z you don't need to if you know someone that can help them just just help them yeah. um so I, yeah I think like you know yeah black people just need to we just need to support each other more in in our journeys and our career paths because it's, it's not easy like it's yeah. really really not so <laughs> I've, had, I've had numerous conversations with family members about about that um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to I'm going to um out my uncle who at, to be fair, at the one of the first for the first black print I did and I said, I just want to bring the community together. And to be fair, my uncle's he's a strong-minded man and he's done very well in his life. And he just said, fuck him. <laughs> and I, I'm I, said, so I said to him, I'm not, that, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind no. of person. But I think what it is with me, like I'm in a space now where I will freely give and I'm able to. Um, but there's been times before, my wife will say this, my mom will say this. I've given time and effort at a detriment to my progress. And I think it's something inside of me that I think I have to do it. But there were, I went to a networking event um, a couple of years ago and there was a guy there, um, very wealthy uh, property owner. And he said he was doing some work for a, a, church, a church or a school. And they wanted, they wanted some obviously donations. And he said, well, I can only give you so much. And their argument was, well, you, you're, you're um, those with the biggest shoulders carry the heaviest burden. He, his argument was, I need to make sure my cup is filled first. When my cup is filled and overflowing, then I happily spill that over to you. But until my cup is full, I can do no more. And I, I took from that, I thought, you know what, you're right. So I need to make sure yeah, my cup is full before I can give more than is possible. 100%. I think it's, it's oh, yeah, what you touched on is so, is so important because I think uh, if you are a giver, if you're the person that you give and people take, then you will you honestly like you'll suffer like you will you'll feel that in this life people are selfish so <laughs> if you give if you give people stuff they'll take it so I think in a way like you need to make sure that you are 100% good in order for you to give your best and I think there's a difference between giving and giving your best and I think if you give you can always you can always give you can give whatever you have but if you're giving and you're 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 dragging yourself along the floor, that's that's not really any use to anybody. It's not even any use to yourself. Mm. So I think if you're gonna be of use to someone else, or you know, you need to make sure you look after yourself as well. It's not just like if you're gonna go for your your dream or um or your your specific career path or anything that you want in life, you need to you need, really need to look after yourself. You need to make sure that you're happy and you're content and actually. That's one thing that even for myself this year that I told myself I wanted to be more content in what I have and to be yeah. more present because I think it's so easy, especially if you have like, if you have a lot of vision in mind, if you say, oh, I really want to achieve this and I really want to do this, I really want to do this on where you are right now. Like, why am I not happy in what I'm doing at this point in time? Like, why do I have to achieve more to be happy? That doesn't make sense. So yeah. 
contentment is a massive thing and I think just kind of counting your blessings as they come as Mm. well like you know just because you don't have um a Ferrari and um x y or and a house and three kids right now why can you not be happy that you have a roof over your head and food to eat do you know what I mean so I think it's like you know the the scale of things that we want all the time may not come to us right now but I think for for what we do have we really need to be grateful for it and I think um that that for me is what success is as well I don't think any you know you can have a million and one cars and still feel unsuccessful but I think if you if you focus on where you are right now and you can appreciate what you have at this point in time you will always be moving forward yeah um so yeah that's that's my outtake on just you know being ambitious but also being happy in where I am right now as you say that, I just did a bit of self-reflection. I think possibly <laughs> I was I was trying to I was trying to give so much before so the universe yeah. would look after me. So try to give to receive. Um, but obviously I found contentment. Um, I found my happiness in the, in my spot where I am now. And like even every day I wake up and think how grateful I am. And yeah, I it's one of those I feel I feel it wholly in the moment, but I fully expect something going to happen that will bring me down. But just every moment, just counting, counting your blessings. Um, I think 100%. now, yeah, now being in a position where when you do, you you actively looking to give back because you're in a space where you can. Whereas before, I was probably trying to give, and I I wasn't set myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. But it's you know what, it's it's hard, especially like if you do, if, say for example, someone someone asks you for a favor, or someone asks you, oh, can you be here on this day? And you're just thinking, I'm. I'm so tired like (laughs) I don't know if I can do this today but you really want to make the effort like it's okay to say no like at the same time because you know that like if if you could come if you felt your best you would go and I think also we need to like we need to stop putting such a stigma on saying no to things like I think if you if you can't do something then say no you know if you can do something then say yes but I think like we don't need um you don't need someone's approval for what is best in your life and I think you only you truly know what um what what will not not what will benefit you but what will make you happier because if you say yes to something that in your the back of your mind you'd know damn well it's a big (laughs) no It's a big no. You're you're not gonna do it. Um, you're not gonna do it wholly. You're not gonna do it happily, and you're not gonna feel good about it. Yeah. So I think just being being true to yourself, um, saying yes and meaningfully saying yes, saying no, and you know not feeling bad because you said no, but f- saying no because you know that if if you could do more, then you would. But right now you can't, and that's fine. So yeah, it's about about <laughs> the confidence thing again, isn't it? Having it yeah, is the confidence to say no it is 100% not, not about, right about the confidence to say no I, I don't think saying the thing is saying no is not I'm saying it like it's, it's very it's not easy to say to say no especially if you're not someone who wants to disappoint but yeah. at the same time like when you do say no honestly you can have a lion when you say yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you can go to restaurants you know so <laughs> <laughs> going, going back to the um obviously the confidence thing when I was a trainee um we used to the, the 
MD, he was very big on, he was an old school guy. I think he was about, he's about 80, nearly 90 now, but obviously this is going back a few years. He was big on 360 um, reviews and uh, appraisals and stuff. And he started to bring it in, in as a group. So there'd be all the training together as a group and you'd have to appraise each everyone else, but it'd be like a voting system. So you wouldn't know exactly, but you could get a gist of what people thought about you. Um, and the theme that carried over from football, where I was always told you're too nice, was apparent in construction where the team around me, fellow trainees, although I was a bit older than them because I came in later, Jay's a bit of a pushover. And again, it was the being accommodating with the subcontractors saying they can't do this, um, we're going to be here that day. And I would be like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. And then not being forceful with my demands. And it wasn't until later on, I had a great site manager who I worked with back in 2015, a Scottish guy, and he took no shit from nobody. And he said to me, the squeaky, what's it? The squeaky gears gets the oil. Oh <laughs> Meaning what does that makes, even mean? Whoever makes, the, whoever makes the most noise is going to get looked after. So if you want to have it with something, if you're, if you're, if you're the subcontractor said they're going to be there on a Monday morning, they're not there, call the manager. So I would, it happened to be a couple of times. So people, because of where I live and the jobs I was doing, I kind of knew a lot of the contractors from yeah. like before. I knew their children. They knew my parents. And there was one guy who, he was a plumber and his apprentice, um, I knew his brother. So we, we knew each other on first name terms and whatnot. And uh, Monday morning again, the plumber, the plumber was doing to, I think, remove a toilet so we could get on with some works. And he didn't turn up. So I phoned the guy up. He said, oh, no, he's phoned in. He's sick. He's off. They're like, all right, okay. Just, just took it. So the next day when the guy come in, I said, oh, how are you feeling? He said, what are you talking about? He says, I said, your manager said you were ill yesterday. He said, no, he put me on another job. <laughs> but oh I know. Oh, my God. So the managers would have said, that's not even good enough. I want somebody in now. Because I wasn't oh the, sque the squeaky cog shouting for it, it was just like, yeah. And I, I look back and think, yeah, because I wasn't that um, combative, um, con con confrontational person, yeah. a lot of a lot of things I let slide or, yeah, wasn't quite happy with, but didn't pursue or chase yeah. because, as my missus says, you like you just like an easy life. But for me, I sometimes <laughs> I sometimes took people's words as on face value, as in, why would you yeah. why would you lie? If he had to go to another job, yeah, tell people me, but... are liars, you know. <laughs> no, people can lie. Honestly, I, you're, you know what? You remind me of my brother because my brother's quite like He doesn't like arguing. He doesn't like drama. And, and then you've got me like, bring on the, <laughs> <laughs> bring on the drama. Let's go. No, but honestly, like people, that's one thing I, I learned as well. People like, honestly, I think you know if especially if you are someone who is quite honest quite um truthful you hold your your heart on your sleeve yeah. kind of thing don't believe anyone else yeah. <laughs> because fingers, they're not like that i i look back now and realize my, my personality i don't think was suited for for that industry and there's another example working with the, the the site manager again the scottish guy we had um we were working for carillion do you remember carillion before before they went before they went bust we had no. a, a we had a project manager for Carillion, so we were working for yeah. Carillion, and Carillion were working for the school. Uh, we had a head teacher we were working for. We were doing a uh, school extension, and the school the head teacher rang my phone, and we were just having a conversation. He said, "Oh, have you seen Richard, the project manager for Carillion?" So I said, "Oh yeah, he's here." So past the phone, why why you site manager looked at me like, "What?" The he, just, he pulled me out of the office. He said, "We don't do that." I said, "Why?" He says, "I said Richard's here. He wanted to speak to." Him. He said. We've got to look after him. Like, he's our project manager. 
we don't know what it's about. And uh, to be fair, I look about it thinking, yes, maybe I should have done it. But for me, it was just, I was like, <laughs> have you seen Richard? Oh, is he have a chat? <laughs> oh my it always God. seemed, I always seemed like, I felt like I was in the middle of obviously the client and my company and having yeah. to wear two hats and having to yeah. be aware of what I should and shouldn't say. And I, I absolutely hated it. And there was times like, I think what kind of drove me out was like doing the programs. And there was one, when I had a project manager, I won't name him, but someone said to me, be careful of him because he has four programs. He has one for the client, one for the team, one for the site manager and one for him. And so like, I, as I moved up and got to the project management role, I had three programs, one for, one for the right. site, one for me and our team, and also one for the client. It's like, I can't do this. It is like living a triple life. So you're telling the subcontractors, you need to be in, in for this date because we need to hit these dates. No one fall in your mind for a while that that's really early, but you want to get him in secured. But you're telling the client, worst case scenario, it's like, I can't do this. That is mad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, was, it, give... was it a big firm then? Um, yeah, yeah. It was a, what do you call it? You would call it a small to medium. I'm not giving too much away, but this is the whole that whole, yeah, whole, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. industry works, and it's yeah. it's not just construction; it will be logistics, it'll be everything. But for me, it was just like everyone's trying to hold their cards close to their chest for obviously reasons because it's it's commercial. There's financial reasons um, about reasons behind it, but it's just like can't we just say say what's going to happen and just be honest with each other? And then, then it's all out open on the table. <laughs> it's just surely that's much more enjoyable. Do you know what? I understanding the business in construction architecture construction design um is is very complicated and I feel like it's it's very deep-rooted as well I think especially like I'm not gonna lie a lot of um the construction industry comes from old money as well and I think that's what a lot of people need to bear in mind is that some of these um industry this industry specifically has been around for ages like it is it's a very very old white male industry and I think it a lot of people if you don't come from it you won't understand it as as well as they do and I think unless you truly immerse yourself in the industry like there's so much to unpack mm. and especially like you know into from like the sort of conversations you have um from the way you have to approach clients to your team to ex like it's it's so complicated and sometimes I sit there and meetings like what is going on <laughs> I have no idea what these like it's like honestly like I think sometimes even if even in my own team I'm just like okay the way someone talks to me in my team versus the way they talk to the client versus the way they talk to the contract it they literally seem like three or four different people I'm like <laughs> who yeah. are you yeah. it's crazy it's crazy but yeah, I mean, no, honestly, architecture is mad. <laughs> I'm going to throw this analogy to you. And um, again, okay. you say fully understanding and immersing yourself. I work with a great guy. Um, he was a carpenter by trade, worked his way up to site manager, but he'd been in it, he called it seasons. He said, you need to get his seasons in, meaning years on years. He'd been in it since he'd left school. He had the gift of the gab. He's very skilled in what he did, but he knew how to get around things. And... Mm -hmm. um. We had a, a job that, again, it's a job that went well, but at the time you're in it, you're thinking, this is going yeah. tits up. And um, we had a walk around with the project manager for, what are they called now? Knight Frank. So again, very prestigious company. And um, the guy who I was with was just telling him loads of stuff that we can do. Yes, we'll get that done, we'll get it done. Can you do that, Mark? Yes, cast iron, cast iron guarantee. I'm like, you don't say that, but... <laughs> 
he went, we went into a meeting later on and he said to me, Jay, what you need to understand is like, because I think there was issues with the QS and whatnot. He said, yeah. what you need to understand is like, when they're having a go at each other in the office, it's like jousting. So everyone wants to get a point. But with jousting, like, um, is it jousting? What's the one where you have all the gear? Fencing, sorry. It's like oh, fencing. fencing, yeah, yeah. Fencing. fencing, you're not hurting someone. You're, you're trying to get a point. So once you get a point, you're like, yes. And you might leave and it might be six or, but you're happy that they had a go, you had a go. And it's not personal. Like sometimes yeah. it can get personal. I've been there when it's personal, but when you realize actually it's just the higher up you go, it's just people just trying to score points. You think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Honestly, that goes back to what you said being an old school industry with lots of things that you, that if you're not immersed, oh, 100%. In, 100%. I think, oh, yeah. One hundred percent. I think it's as well. Like especially if you are like only just ent- entering the industry, you need to realize as well. There's a long line of people who want to get to the top. Like mm. you really, really want to, and they would do anything within their power to get to the top. And I think actually that's why, as well as a black female, to see someone like me there is just like wow. Like you're brave because you don't you don't actually exist in this world. Yeah. Um, which is which is crazy. So yeah, honestly, people like I think when it gets to the top of even just any industry, you'll find that you'll it'll be a lot of tit for tat. Like you at some point when you're at the top, you don't even realize what like what your main role is. <laughs> you're just <laughs> overseeing. Like yeah. there's, there's yeah. no defined role yeah. of what you're doing. You're just overseeing everything. And I think that's when it starts to lose values. I think also sometimes it's not even about getting to the top. Like, I think it's about finding what you genuinely want to do. And I think getting to the top of, of something is not, is uh, for, for me personally, it's not a goal because once you get to the top, then what happens next? So... <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm like laughing because I'm, I'm thinking of a point where I got to and I was on the cusp of site management, project management. And I said to my, <laughs> my line manager, I'm thinking about going back on the tools. And he went, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's <laughs> mad. It's not because sometimes you do miss like the, the, the other bits. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the bits, you're not at the top. You're actually given more responsibility, but that responsibility is actually quite decent. Like it's, mm. it's not that bad. It's fun. So once once you get to the top, obviously you have more responsibility. You start seeing less and less less people. You start being, you know, more involved in the administrative side of things as opposed to the actual practical side of things. Like you don't really see anything. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I mean. So a question for you then. So yeah. I call I call myself a creative. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, artistic license because I haven't done anything that qualifies <laughs> yeah. me for creative. But in my mind, I yeah. want to always make stuff and create stuff so yourself as a creative and you spoke about the admin side how do you yeah. juggle that and how does how does that fit with you because that's I think that's another thing that drove me out was the admin just overtook anything I could achieve on site I was like what and what got to me is I knew I was producing stuff ad, administration stuff that nobody was ever going to look at the only time they would look yeah. at it if there was an incident or an accident or somebody was owed money if, my, if it went wrong <laughs> um, commercially that's when they would look at it otherwise it'd be filed a bit of paper that I'd spent hours on signing, it would just go in a box. And I used to box, at the end of the job, I used to box everything up and send it over to our head office. Like, never gonna never see the light of day again. <laughs> that is mad. I wouldn't, oh no, I actually can't. But like, I get what you mean. I think in the in my current role now, so I'm an architecture assistant for 
um, a sustainable, um, sorry, oh, I'm gonna say this wrong now, eco-friendly and sustainable um, design firm in Oxford. So my practice is honestly, they're sustainable in pretty much everything that they do in terms of looking after people and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's anything in particular that I've been given and it like it hasn't been used but I have been in that situation before and it, it just feels awful like you can spend hours and hours and hours on a, on a task and no one will ever see it and I think that it's just do you know what it is I think it's about like managing expectations as well um I think sometimes you feel like or, or maybe your line manager might feel like oh you need to um you need to do this work because it at some point it will probably need to be done and I, I we need to stop doing that because at the same time at some point no one will ever need it either so it's just yeah no I think it ha it happens a lot but now in this in this role I have now it, ha it hasn't happened to me just yet like where I've done because I think um so because I'm at I'm at a beginner stage in my current role um so the tasks that I'm I've been given are things such as um updating drawings um pdfing documents and that kind of thing design and access statements so I don't know if I'm just overly optimistic about the role but like <laughs> I'm really enjoying it honestly I, I have I have no complaints yet yet I'm gonna bash Carillion again because they're they're no longer here and there's, there's good reason why they're not here because they're rubbish <laughs> but um you know once the job same job i was on back in 2015 every friday we had to do a report on the site but it was just a oh, generic uh... report that the project manager wanted because he had to pass it on to somebody and so the admin task it was given to me half of the stuff wasn't applicable to us our site but i have to handwrite it because you can't put it on the door digitally so half the stuff i'm writing na N-A, N-A, but you have to do it week in, week out, knowing that this doesn't affect your site. No one's ever going to look at it. So it was a case of printing it out, writing it, scanning it, labeling it, emailing it off. And like Friday oh afternoon, God. and it had to be done last thing Friday in case something did happen that you had to put an answer for. I was like, yeah. And that was obviously a job that went on for, I think it was nearly over a year. Every Friday, four o'clock, sending that over. It's like, this. Are you Wait, were you the only one that was doing it though? Yes, because I was the junior site manager. It was a task, oh. a task assigned to me. <laughs> I would have left. <laughs> I would have left. Did. I did. That, it, took, yeah. it took five years. But <laughs> oh, no. After, after the first folding Friday, I would have left. <laughs> no, but no, I know. What you mean. Do you know what it is, actually? There's such, now that you said that, when it comes to, like, beginner roles, there's such, like, there's such a stigma around, um, like just doing I call it scut work just all the stuff that nobody wants to do and I think we need to like that needs to stop as well because actually I was talking to a, like a few people um that I work with and they said that when they had their part one role so obviously in architecture you've got part one two and three so part one is when you complete your undergrad you've done three years um studying architecture and you've got part two which is your master's um, which is another two years and then part three is basically an examination to qualify you as as an architect so you can't use the title architect until you have your part three what part um, i'm part one so i'll be oh. doing my part two um at the end of the year and then part three i'll be qualified in four years okay. we've got a long time to go so 
<laughs> I'm in no rush. Um, but yeah, but I think with part ones, they always, always, always give you scut. I think I'm quite lucky because I haven't yet been given scut work. But I think it. Uh, he was saying something like, oh, he had to, um, in, on his first day, all he was doing was like folding A1 sheets, having to post them every morning. And the thing is with architectural drawings as well, it's not just one drawing. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's hundreds of drawings to fold. So for example, for one project, he had to fold about, 50 sheets and imagine doing that the entire day just folding to, paper to be fair though folding, folding architectural drawings there's an art form to it so yeah there I, is. Do, I do think <laughs> that, that, that's worthwhile it's a worthwhile skill to there is. even when you unfold them and fold them back up it's like where am i going <laughs> yeah yeah follow the fold you lines that is mad i've never had to fold a drawing before so i don't know the artwork but i will have to learn now because yeah. i really want to know how to fold it but yeah no <laughs> and the, the moment the moment you fold it up wrong you know you, you know you messed up because it you, doesn't go back you messed you it up. <laughs> <laughs> the best you, thing you to do is get, get invested a drawing rack so i, I, yeah, I learned a, a few things from some great project managers yeah always get a drawing rack and if you can't buy one, build one. <laughs> get, get oh, do you know what? That's well. such a good idea, though. It's such a good idea. I wasn't quite sure if I was going to go into architecture or something to do with, um, like, design and build. Because I, I like drawing, but I like making things more. So I think the construction side always fascinated me. But I knew I wasn't going to be a builder on site. Like, that's just <laughs> that was never going to be me. But I was kind of trying to find my feet in, within actually designing some as, as in the whole building or yeah. you know kind of putting things together maybe going into furniture design it's, it's a really interesting profession like you can go into so many different things mm. that's loads. another another point i wanted to touch upon actually as in so in the construction industry as i yeah. went through i started to see more females in like roles that would you would generally say were male dominated yeah such as, um decorating obviously there was not obviously but where it panned out there were a lot of cleaners were, were, were women there was a um black woman called i remember the name the other day sue what was her surname sue from abacus, abacus cleaners a shout out to sue she had her own cleaners she, <laughs> shout she, out to she, sue she did, she did a lot for us sue joseph that was it we had a great laugh and we used to come to visit site and always say you got to work for me jay but um looking at obviously different roles within the industry there was obviously project managers we had didn't don't think i met any female site managers um designers yes a lot architects um but I just wondered like do you see or do you know of anyone that are filling these roles coming up do I that know any that, that are more like the hands-on physical roles such as you cut your carpenters bricklayers I know that they do have drives to yeah. get more, more women involved in in the industry but I haven't I haven't seen it I didn't see it as I left sorry I I, I mean I haven't really seen it either to be honest and I I'm not really sure of any initiatives that encourage it, to be honest. I mean, I have my podcast um, specifically that focuses on encouraging more um, more women of colour to go into architecture. It's obviously, one to one hundred architecture podcast. Shout out one to one hundred. Shout out one to one hundred. Shout out to my sisters. No, but yeah, <laughs> um, we. Um, but in terms of actual, like for example, bricklaying or something like that, no, I've never seen, I've never seen it be encouraged, encouraged amongst women, ever. Mm. So again, it's it's, yeah. for me, it's it's the creative hands-on role, 
which it is in design you see a lot of women in in that industry well so how come we're not seeing it at the let's say the grassroots level I think do you know what it's funny that you touched on this because it's so honestly so frustrating but there's such a hierarchy when it comes to design like usually what well from what I've seen from a, a lot of different firms is that um specifically in architecture like your projects architects will be male and your assistants will be female for example your interior designers will be female the architects will be male and I think in terms of like the position in the construction world that women are often seen as less than or less less capable or kind of they're they're more uh, more likely to do the intricate the detailed roles um where the men can kind of do the the heavy lifting and heavy building and I think some okay not all women are like that um mm. not all women like to um design delicately not all women like to put pieces together some women are really butch and hands-on like I think we need to accommodate for for these type these types of women and the women who can lead an entire team um but yeah no obviously sometimes it is really really frowned upon um to have um a, a, a female architects for various reasons like for example um you know what if if um if the female architects wants is planning a, to have a family right it's is very um it's seen as inconvenient in the practice because she will need to take time off to go on maternity leave and I think that's another reason as to why a lot of women aren't hired in a lot of leadership positions in construction because it can be seen as inconvenient mm. so I think a lot of um a lot of construction firms and architectural practices don't have any anything in place for someone wanting to start a family for example or someone kind of um expecting to have time off work for whatever reason so um I think I think it is male not not male dominated specifically but I think it's more it's more the protocols are more in place for men but I think if we kind of created a way in which it was more realistic for women to be able to fit into this world or kind of there almost needs to be like a paradigm shift in terms of the way um construction is seen um so yeah I think we just need to basically like acknowledge that if women are to be in this world of construction then there needs to the the protocol and the, the whole system needs to change because there are some things that we genuinely can't or won't be able to um, sort of navigate ourselves around just because yeah. of the nature of who we are as women. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to have to shout out the company I did work for, Beard, who were, uh, I said, small to medium. They were, <laughs> no, they were a family, family run business. Oh, that's they amazing. Stayed, stayed in the Beard family, but they did a good job of hiring diversity. Though There were women within the company. We've got the estimators, yeah. QSs. Um, actively recruiting trainees to come and then who actually mm -hmm. stayed on with the company. Um, yeah. There was a very good uh, female project manager. Um, I'm just trying to, I don't want to make a comment and then miss someone out and think, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. that person. So, shout yeah, out I'm, to the I'm whole not, team. <laughs> I'm not aware that I've missed anyone else, anyone else out. But if I have, I do apologize. But just, yeah, there's a point that either industry wise, not just my company, when you're looking at the other mm -hmm. company, the subcontractors or, companies that we're working for um 
but there were there were quite a few i'd say leadership roles but it's like right. the team around them they were either leading their all-male team it's like it's we live in a society where is it nearly 50 50 they're obviously in some countries different but yeah you'd like you'd like to see that reciprocated in the in the um in their employment but obviously there are reasons why but talking back about going back to the institution people when we used to have discussions and meetings used to talk about the car industry and say the construction industry needs to take a look at itself and re reinvent itself because the car industry has zero zero tolerance for error is that right zero tolerance for error yeah so when they're when they're making cars everything's brought to site on time they don't they rarely shut down the factory every bit is checked as it goes in there's quality checklists they said if we can to trans trans i'm trying to I'm trying to sound too smart. Move that, over, <laughs> move that over to the construction industry. We would make yeah. everything so much so much easier. We'd be more efficient. But there's certain elements that are still old school. And I'm going to use an example bricklaying. Um, yes, it is a skill, but it takes time. You have to wait on, obviously, the, the right type of weather. You can do builds where you have the panels, brick panels, which you get brought to site. And one of the jobs I was on, I actually had to order them measure up and order them and you realize actually it's so much easier when it comes prefabricated but then obviously you are you're losing a skill set but you're saving time so there are things that I think we could take we I said oh you said we and I'm not in it anymore there are things that can be taken from <laughs> <It> might be <laughs> from from other industries to improve but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna it's a culture shift which I think Definitely. top yeah top down they're trying to do and I think yeah. that was that was another battle as well guys yeah. on the ground this is the way it's always been done or guys at the top were trying to implement things which guys on the ground say this can't happen as quickly as you want it because there are, there are certain things on site that have to be done at a certain time and yes mm. you're telling me to do it and it's got to be done by now like but i know that there's an issue with something else that we need to wait for so i i felt i was in the middle at times middle between the company and the subcontractor also between mm -hmm. my men and then my life yeah. managers <laughs> yeah. stuck between a rock and a hard place <laughs> it's crazy i mean like like you said like if if we I, I mean i blame social media though to be honest because social media is the reason why people have unrealistic expectations of everything like from architecture design to even themselves like <laughs> it's just mad like <laughs> but i think like you said like if we if we start like prefabricating everything like people are like losing jobs for example but at the same time there are jobs they are jobs that nobody job, wants job creations yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. like no, sorry, there's job creation but yeah you just say jobs that there's job creation um and there's job supply but the demand for these specific jobs is not high mm. so i think it's more it's more about like how do we how do we encourage more people to Kind of stop being lazy or how do we encourage more people to pick up to pick up these kind of jobs i think there's a especially when it comes to construction there's definitely a lack of motivation to work and i don't know if it's i, I don't know what what it is like i think maybe it's something to do with maybe the client maybe something to do with the management like there's just such a, and i think maybe it's something to do with um the benefits that you get as as an employee like i think the construction industry just hasn't caught up with the rest of the world yeah. like the weather i blame the weather <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna blame the weather it might be the weather maybe it's raining too much i don't know yeah. it's, 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 one of those, it's too wet it's too cold or it's too hot yeah <laughs> 
It's got me the Goldilocks. Honestly, show. oh, it's mad. It's actually mad, but you know, construction in other countries is is so good though. Like I remember when I went to Ghana, um, that's where my family's from, and um, my we were, we were sort of re- renovating my grandma's house, and the like the workers back there they take long. Don't get me wrong, like you you'll tell them to come at one p.m. They'll turn up the next day at five. Like it's just mad, but they're so like they're so happy in their roles. So I think it just dep- it really depends on on where you are as well. It might be the weather, to be honest. I'm not gonna lie. It might be the weather. <laughs> I've got a question I was going to ask you. Oh, about your, sorry, your podcast. So you mentioned about the reason why you started it. You want to touch upon that about, obviously you, you do it with um some other women and that mm-hmm. where they are within their, within their jobs. Yeah, definitely. So um, just quickly. So my podcast is called the one to 100 podcast. And uh, we started this about a year after we finished uni. So graduated in 2019 and we started in 2020. Um, so we're seven women of colour and basically seekers of change in the world of architecture and uh, design and construction. And basically what happened was that we were in a group. It's so funny because we were in a group, um, basically uh, a module in a group doing a module called um, history and culture or something like that. And honestly, we do you know there's that one group that messes around so much. Like that was just us. Like we were just so we did talking throughout the lectures, all of this kind of stuff. When it came to deadline season, we're like, hey, we need work to submit. <laughs> so yeah, but we found that we got on really, really well. We ended up getting the highest grade in our year group. And like surprisingly, we we were the only women of colour in our entire year group there were seven of us sorry six of us and one of us was in the year above so we said actually you know what we're graduating next year and we have no experience we don't know anybody in the architectural world like you don't even know what an architect really does so how are we going to navigate our way like into this into this world um so we spoke about starting a podcast you know just kind of um putting ourselves out there a little bit more maybe like updating our linkedin or something like that um and then we did it and then we're like okay what happens next <laughs> we've got <laughs> 10 episodes out like what's happening next don't really know and then we actually found that like a lot of people a lot of women of color started coming to us and sort of confiding us confiding in us listening to the podcast it gave them inspiration and also help them to understand the questions that we didn't understand ourselves so I think one thing that we always said um in the podcast is that we we promise to be truly ourselves all the time um and we promise to be honest with our listeners because there's just no point in lying about our experiences there's no point in kind of downplaying it or making it seem like it's better or worse than it actually is like we just say it for how it is and we're very fortunate because the guests that we've had on our podcast too are also extremely honest and that guest in terms of people who are literally at the same level as us to people who are, are 20 years in their experience people have been extremely um extremely honest and and integral about their experiences so yeah, I think when it comes to women, of, not just women of colour, just people of colour in in the world of 
architecture and construction like I don't want to shout out my own podcast again but it's just do it do it do it (laughs) yeah honestly just you just need to hear like you need to hear from somebody else's experience somebody else's personal experience for you to truly understand what it is Mm. but yeah that's that's what it is (laughs) so um have you got any plans for the future of the podcast any guests coming on that you could shout out or was it going to be no. hush, hush, <laughs> no, spoilers, no spoilers no spoilers no spoilers but um season three will be launching soon um so what soon in april okay. so look out for season three so but you have plenty plenty of time to catch up on season one and two um so that's 10 episodes per season how yeah, yeah. i was gonna ask how do you define your season then is it like per year yeah um, you know what yeah there's no <laughs> there's no time for it specifically I think it's more just about you know what it took us two seasons to find a protocol on like okay. or some sort of routine so season one was just a mess like we were like we don't know what we're doing we just need to get episodes out there let's go we did it once a week then once every other week then once a week and then <laughs> Season two, we're just like, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna be, it's gonna be relaxed, and then we found that actually, this is too much, it's too much pressure, it's too much pressure. <laughs> but yeah, season three, I think we found out that we want to record, pre-record all of our episodes, get all of our content ready, and then we, okay. we basically schedule um, everything out to go. So that takes yeah. us about, I don't know, six six months or so to prepare everything on top of other things that we might be doing as well. So. Okay. So I, I could I could see there's a journey. I was, I've been through a similar sort of thing. <laughs> 2020, I launched mine, and it was going to be monthly. Then I had a hiatus where I could couldn't get anyone for love nor money, and then I kind of I lost the the drive to go and seek people out. Then um, I think Gef yeah, getting into the the Bitcoin space reignited it, and I managed to get yeah. a few episodes still monthly. And then in the, in the new year, I did a, a drive again, thinking, you know what, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this active. I'm going to actively go about and see. Yeah. So now I've gone to weekly. So yeah, I understand what you're saying by pre-recording because I got to a point where I was putting pressure myself to record mm-hmm. for the next episode. Whereas now I've yeah. got to the stage where I've got a, a backlog where if I don't get someone the next week, it's not the end of the world because I have a couple that I can release. Yeah, that's um, such a good position to be in. There, yeah. right? That's a really good position to be in. And I think sometimes you could, I remember that was in season one, we're always chasing our tail. Like trying to think, oh God, when's the next guest going to come? Please, no one's answering their emails. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Hey, stressful, but it's good though. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, now so yeah, the, going back to the season thing, when you when you upload, obviously it asks what season. And I always look, well, for me, it's season one. <laughs> I'm still in yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just curious, curious as, as to how you segment yours. But it makes sense now what, what you're saying. Yeah, do, do them as yeah. batches and that, that's another season. A bit like obviously... Mm-hmm. When, you, when they release stuff on Netflix and, and Prime, Amazon Prime or whatnot. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of podcasts don't do seasons. Though. I think they just do like continuous episodes. But I think for us, it helps us to give ourselves a break and also yeah, give our yeah. listeners a break too. So I think if we say season, if, if they know a season is 10 episodes, they know how many episodes to look forward to in that specific mm. season. And also gives us time to think about what's happening right now in the industry because because it's so like um it's obviously with this podcast everything that we do is happening right now Mm. so it's a thing where the topics that we talk about have to they have to be like 
it's happening right <sighs> now, but it's spoken in a universal tone. Like it's yeah, it's so yeah. weird, but it yeah, is. no. <laughs> I, I I understand that because I I started a series called Two Bad Deeds that I've released on yeah. the but that originally started with um shout out Ian Simpson, a football dad yeah. who I know we know for our sons playing football together, and he was interested in starting a podcast. So I said, well, we'll record one. Not sure how to do it, and we've yeah. done I think we've done three or four now. But again, I've one I just pushed out without his not without his consent, but we went to do it together. But I published it without him because I the content in it was was current and it had to go out because if he listened to it two weeks later it'd be what's he talking about this has been in God yeah, so yeah. I'm conscious like when I record yeah, how quickly I want to get things out so sometimes I have yeah. moved episodes around but it's like yeah when yeah. you're speaking unless yeah as you say unless you're speaking in a universal tone you've got to yeah. put it out there otherwise people are listen like yeah but that we know about that now that's gone we already <laughs> know about that that already <laughs> happened yeah, yeah we get it it's all right <laughs> So if he listens to this, Ian, sort yourself out because we have actually edited one together. I taught him how to edit, put the intro, outro. He's done that. He's done the artwork, but he hasn't clicked publish. And this episode, yeah. I want to go out because it has so much great stuff. And I'm going to give a little bit of um, a spoiler. It was about who motivates a motivator or motivator, as people say. Um, but it came from an experience I had when I was playing football, and I, it, me and yeah. my friends use it all the time because it's so true. Like, how who how do you motivate yourself? Like. Someone can motivate you, but if the motivator is not there, what what are you gonna do? <laughs> honestly, man, honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out today. <laughs> <laughs> How do you motivate yourself? Oh, that is a question and a half. Like honestly, I feel like you've got the rest of your life to figure that one out. Mm. Honestly, it's crazy. It's crazy. How do you how do you motivate yourself? Um, me personally, I think it's finding your. I'm gonna use get it right this time. Ikagi. So <laughs> what is that? It's, a book, it's a book I read in 2020, just, yeah, just before lockdown, that yeah, I bought it for my cousin. I've mentioned it before I'm putting the podcast where when you find your purpose in life, when you find your true purpose, oh. it doesn't feel like work and like every day is a blessing, every day is happy. But once you find that, again, the motivation is just waking up in the morning. And that's why, the, why I find the saying same, the same so funny is because we were... Yeah, I'm gonna. Is this is gonna sound weird because I've spoken about it in an episode that's due to come out. But basically, we were playing football. It was again the weather was rubbish. We weren't being fed properly. I meant to be full time young athletes, and it was just rubbish time. We had no manager, and um, the guy that was looking after us, we we had a meeting. One of our friends said, "Um, I just can't get motivated." And he's an ex pro from the eighties, and obviously a different for them. But anyway, who motivated? Who motivated? The motivator. <laughs> Waking up in the morning is my motivation. I think it's so true. You're up in the morning. He's looking at us thinking, you guys in the primary life, better conditions than he had. You should be loving life. But we were just looking on the downside, looking back now, like what I'd give to have that moment again. But for us, it was just like, is this it? Like, we're meant to be top performing athletes. We're not being treated like it. But for him, it was like, well, if you're not happy, get yourself in that situation. That, That is your motivation. You're not happy here. Get yourself removed to another club. Do you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually read a book called um, Make Your Bed. And this book is it's a very short book. I think I, I can't remember how many pages it is. And it was written by a Navy SEAL um, who basically, I think it's called Make Your Bed, Small Things That You Could Do That Would Change Your Life and Perhaps the Rest of the World. Not David and Goggins, is it? I, I can't remember who it, who it's by. Um, but I will pass your name, pass the name on to you. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. 
for listening. It's yeah, exactly. And it's absolutely amazing because he talks about um, I think the first thing that he says is literally to make your bed every morning and the effect that that has on you for literally the rest of your life. If you make your bed every morning, you start your day with something complete. And I thought that was a really beautiful way of looking at it. Is that if you don't complete the task at work, for example, if you don't complete, I don't know, cooking your food, for example, if and you will always come home to a fully made bed. And I think yeah. that is one thing that you cannot deny it will just put you in the best mood. It's just that if your bed is made, yeah. you don't have to worry about anything. All you have to do is jump in the bed and you do the same thing every single day and you'll always have something complete every day. So for me, it's, yeah. it's about taking care, isn't it? So like you're taking yeah, care exactly. of, of your, your place of sleep. But when you're leaving it, it's in a, in a nice, tidy state. And my family laugh at me and it's something... I've taken from football and um, shout out to Mike Ford. He, he was our youth team manager for a period and he was very hard on us, but for a lot of the stuff like our generation now say what he taught us then we've taken into adult life. And one thing was yeah. always to undo your shoelaces. And if we didn't undo our shoelaces, like took the shoes off without undoing it, it was a fine, it was a pound fine. And so like everyone would be looking wow. at it. He's <laughs> trying to make uh, money, bro. My, my kids now and my wife, when they don't do it, I said, undo your shoelaces. But if you break it down, okay, you're not unloosening the, the laces, you're, you're breaking your foot to get it in and out, that's going to damage your trainers sooner. So look after your trainers, your footwear, and they will last longer. It's just like the mentality of actually, I'm going to take care of my things. I'm going to make sure things are done properly. So at Christmas time, my cousin, um, she was around, she was laughing. We were in the living room. She said, whose shoes are these? And we said, well, <laughs> these laces are really undone. I'm like, yeah, to get my feet. She said, but you haven't got to do I'm doing that much. And that was a family joke. It was like, I don't see the issue. My, I want to take my trainers off. I undid the laces. Oh, so done. <laughs> she was just absolutely, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> many, there's many things that the other one is le- is lateness. Um, when we used to be late, or when we used to, if we were late, he would say, "You've had all week to get here." And obviously, you think to yourself, <laughs> "What does that mean?" But ultimately, a week ago, you knew you had to be at nine o'clock. So whatever you did within that week, you could have been here at nine. No, I don't Damn. care what happened, at, what happened at 10 to 9 or 5 to 9. You knew last week 9 o'clock was a deadline. And I, I say it to my son all the time, but you had all week, mate. Like, there's, no, there's no reason on this earth. I don't care what that happened yesterday or wild. how far I go. <laughs> that is wild. Oh, my gosh. I would actually cry in those classes because <laughs> I know I'll be there five minutes late. <laughs> but it's all good, though. It's all good. <laughs> So, yeah. so another, another topic I wanted to touch on. So when I said I wanted to do this called justice, um, I sent something to you the other day and you, you sent me back some wicked feedback that I need to action on my website. And so in 20, the end of 2021, yeah, I took some feedback online from somebody who, again, in the Bitcoin space, was looking, wanted to, people to share their website. So I shared mine and he responded openly on Twitter, which is fair enough, said, um, I don't know what you do. And it was Coach Carbon, and I was like, do you know what? You're right. You go onto our website, and it's not clear. There's health and fitness. There's a bit that I'm doing with Bitcoin. Then there's, I don't think even the um, Carbon Life Pods were on there yet. And he was talking about, he gave me information on the text. Yeah, there's too much text to read, this, that. So I made changes. Um, so I knew it looked better, but I knew there was still something to do. So we were talking, and then you said, oh, actually, do you, want, do you want to send me it to review for feedback? I went, yeah, great. So I sent it to you. And Initially reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, yep, I understand that point, I understand that, I understand that, and I'm thinking I can't <laughs> wait to action it because I know just visually that it's gonna look yeah. different and better. And yeah. so let's talk about that side of what of what you're doing with regards yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so one yeah I started well I've been involved in sort of graphic design graphic layout since I was about 15 um that's when I like really got into computers and just drawing like sort of combining drawing with my skills in computer I've always, I, I think my mum thought I was going to become an IT engineer like <laughs> I was just always good with computers and I like drawing so I just literally put the two of them together and it just worked out very well for me and um even in terms of what I did in in my art lessons my art classes like my graphic my layout not graphic layout because we didn't use computers that much my layout in my my um art sketchbook was just it was good like it was really really good so something that I I, I just love to develop um and then I found that um in my in my job um whilst I was working uh, um, at the university I I was doing a lot of like presentations I was thinking why does everyone keep asking me to put together a presentation <laughs> like what's my name please like do I I'm so sure I got asked like pay, I'm getting paid to do something else like why does everyone keep asking me to do presentations um but then it's because I found out anyway it was because it looked very professional I was like oh okay I can do this and then I was asked to do um a webinar on marketing and branding I was like I don't know anything about marketing and branding like it's, I actually studied architecture like, I don't know what this is um but I, I had to do some research and I realized that everything that I had been doing up until now was advertising and marketing so I was like oh cool so I can actually do something with this like I can I can make something out of this so before I used to do like um I don't know just logos or um put together some social media bits for some friends but then I decided to actually create something tangible out of this so I started um crafted by mango which was something is a name I came up with when I was at uni with some friends um you want to say crafted by mango crafted by mango um, on, the, on the social media can we find you there it's on social media. I don't have much work up at the moment, but I will put some up. So it's okay. just I'll add, it, I'll add it to the show notes again so people can find <laughs> okay. okay, then. Um, but yeah, it's crafted by Mango on Instagram. And basically, I, I just create logos. I create um, a brand identity with corporate, corporate businesses, startups, individuals, just anyone wanting to make a name for themselves. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even call myself like uh, a, an amazing or out of this world graphic designer. I'm just literally simply someone who just loves to design. I love to put two and two together and make it look professional. So yeah. that's that's how I got got to where I am. And since since starting, I've I've just worked with some amazing people. And I think that's also the beauty of starting your own business or your own thing or your own side hustles that like you choose your projects you choose your people you choose your clients yeah so i would never work with someone i don't like um which is good you, you take, um, take the words right out of my mouth as you were talking honestly i was thinking like working for yourself obviously people that know me think if you work on something else again but it's like i have an idea i want to create so yeah. each logo i've got i designed and i actually went to outsource a logo for something that i started in 2020 yeah. And when it came back to me, no disrespect, like obviously they, they produced some great work, but I wasn't oh. happy with it. I was like, do you know what? I'll do it myself. And what I created, yeah. I, I was really in love with. And I'm, 
obviously yeah. I'll accept feedback and criticism from people but sometimes like with stuff I create I look at it and think oh I love what I've done there and I think being able to, being able to appreciate your own work is is a yeah. is a nice thing to do obviously we are we are our own worst critic but um oh 100% it's just yeah I just 100%. love now when a space as you say doing stuff for yourself and putting stuff out there you mentioned about when you were doing the um presentation stuff obviously that wasn't yeah. necessarily for yourself but it was for it was work when I used to do yeah. site layout plans I used to love putting them, putting them together yeah. and then doing the um site management plans and everything and I the bit I loved about that was putting the actual documents in that were that I created so you, you, yeah. your site layout plans the drawings the uh the routes oh <laughs> getting me to do a fire safety plan <laughs> the actual plan <laughs> I hated writing it down but doing the layout <laughs> and doing the arrows I'll be there all day. <laughs> no it's so true it's actually so true and I think actually sometimes like you can when it comes to your career path as well I think sometimes you can lose you can lose that that creative flair you can lose that side of things so I think it's so important to remember what it is that um that you love about it as well so for example like if you do love graphic design like for example, I, I really love graphic design I love architecture but I, I'm pretty sure I love graphic design more yeah. um so whatever I do in 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 the architecture world I know I have to bring some sort of this like layout into like or graphic layout into it or graphic design into it because that's just what I love to do mm. um so I think it's really important that whatever you do this like just anyone anyway decides to go into that they always bring their personality into it or they always bring um whatever makes them unique into whatever they do um because I think that without graphic design honestly I think that's just it's shaped so much of my life in terms of like the sort of um in um, the way I've designed my flat, for example, it shapes the way um, I might, um, the, the colours that I would buy, the clothes that I would wear. So I think, yeah, whatever you do, just make sure you you really bring it out into everything that you do. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. My, I, my uncle, again, I shout out Chris, um, always, he doesn't joke, he says, Cyrus, you need to take, take action. Because there's a, <laughs> a, draw, a, draw, a drawing that I had I did in year 11, so we're looking at what, 2010, no, sorry, apologies, 2001, and I designed an iPhone before it was called an iPhone. <laughs> I <laughs> it, was, it was a phone, it was a music player, it was a camera, and I've, I pull it out, I've got the, my, my school drawing folder down here. Oh every my now, God. Every now and then, again, I, I pull it out, look at the date, and think, obviously, at that age, it was just, I was just messing around, it was like, yeah, if you had the right people around you, had the right confidence, I'm going to take that to someone. I'm going to see what we can do. So I'm all for now. If you have an idea, just just act on it because you never know. Act on it. Yep. <laughs> Feel fast. That's it. Yeah. And I think on... I no, I didn't mention it. I mentioned it in the Black Print one. Um, it was about me wanting to create uh, create an empire, and I pulled out the other day because certain times in my life I thought it's never going to happen. Whereas now where I have the Coach Carbon brand, the umbrella with the Life Pods, Bitcoin Ballers and Carbon Nutrition in the book. And I'll tell you when it was, it was when Richard Branson was doing a lot of his stuff for Virgin. So I just basically took Virgin out and just put Carbon Airlines, Carbon Coca-Cola, and there's about Carbon Howells, and there's about 10 different carbons thinking, this is going to be me. I'm going to own all these companies. Like As I got <laughs> further in construction, I just thought, yeah, it's not going to happen. Whereas now, taking that leap of faith and just being open to everything like yeah I, I can see how empires start because when you're passionate about something you can just yeah just follow it 
Yeah. And then you get to a dead end, you come back and start again. It's true. Consistency is key as well. Like, I think whatever you do, like, I always say to some of my friends as well, like, if you're, if you're going to leave something or if you're going to stop something, don't stop because it's hard. Stop because you don't genuinely just don't want to do it. Yeah. And I think that is that for me is 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 always what it is like, so everything at the beginning is really really difficult like building a routine um is hard building a schedule is hard because you don't know how it's going to go you don't even know if it's worth it so i think whatever you do for the very first time just expect it to be hard expect expect the throwbacks expect the rejections expect you know everything but be consistent with it you know like if if you're um, and also be open to criticism. So I think consistency and criticism are probably your best friends when when starting and trying to develop anything. Yeah. So especially if you yeah. want to play the saxophone as well. My, oh my god! My dream was to play the sax, but I was told <laughs> I had to do the trombone first. So I spent a year playing the trombone and absolutely hated it. I had to miss my lunch breaks. I had to do concerts, oh, no. and then I got to the end of the year. I thought I'm not doing this anymore. I actually can't. Well, I used to play the mom, piano as much. She was devastated. But yeah, my dream was to play the sax. <laughs> it's never too oh, late. I know Ian, Ian Wright lives. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. I might, I might consider. I'll put it on the uh, on the vision board and see what happens. <laughs> you know what? Go for it. 2022 vision. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to apologize now for anyone listening in case I'm a sound a bit shouting and excited, but. My wife always tells me off. She says, like, when you get excited, just calm down. But I see, I feel myself getting closer towards the screen because I'm excited about <laughs> the presentation. So I hope the audio audio comes out okay. Um, but then I wanted to ask you, also, firstly, thank you for your time. The time's flown by. No um, I think I've, we've touched upon everything I wanted to. And if we haven't, we may have to revisit and do an episode, episode two of this Definitely. conversation. Yet to be named. I need to think of a creative name now. I think the names of all episodes have been quite, I say quite good. I, I look and think, yeah, that's that's a good one. So I'll have to make sure this one's extra special. Um, but yeah, the question I ask everybody, first of all, yeah, thank you for your time. And the question that I ask everybody finally is, um, you have a time machine, you go back and meet your 16-year-old self as you're leaving school. What uh, one bit of advice would you give yourself? Wow, 16 is a funny thing you mentioned that age because a lot happened when I was 16, actually. So just really, really, really quickly. When I was 16, um, my mum passed away. Um, and during that time, I was a rebel. I'm not gonna lie. I was <laughs> I became very disruptive. I became a little bit cheeky, a little bit um just I was just chatty patty, but I would say that um, I, I also lost a lot of confidence in myself. I think I was very, um, I just kind of wanted to do whatever, whenever, and just because that that's just who I am. Um, but I would say that to my 16 year old self, um, you have a lot in store for you and just believe that you are a very, great influential and humble person in in things that you do if I say so myself 
um no, no you're a humble person in, in everything that you do and yeah just continue being smart continue being beautiful and continue shining your ways onto others that's what i would say to my 16 year old self so, yeah. I'm guessing your 16 year old self would have been like wow that's a lot to take in but I believe you yeah. you're saying it with such passion <laughs> my 16 year old self would be like okay you need to calm down like it's not that deep <laughs> literally so yeah um, again thanks for your time Amanda it's been, been great to catch no up and I yeah genuinely when I say that I say it just to a lot of people but I would love to like work with you on something in the future whether it's no, community projects graphic design um again help thankful for the feedback which I'll be putting into action so I've got a little <laughs> task ahead of me so I'll be sharing that with you once it's done I'll um obviously share your links in the show notes um so crafted by mango Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of that, so I'm going to check that out myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Go for it. That'd be, that'd be good. And anywhere else we can find you? So we've got one to 100 podcast. One to 100 podcast. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Feel free to connect with me. It's just um, Amanda Salomi, my first and last name. And yeah, I think that's pretty much that's my professional platform. So LinkedIn, um, Instagram is one to 100 podcast, and obviously Crafted by Mango. So that's me amazing stuff well thanks for your time if you stay on for a debrief um we'll end it for the listeners here and you can catch me hopefully next week with another inspiring episode from the successful the outliers and the creative thank you for listening bye-bye thank you again to amanda for her time her insight and her energy so passionate about everything that she does if you listened and are inspired to pick up a pen pick up a camera to create something just do so um, even if you don't share it just get it out in the universe you never know where that could lead um, happy to, to speak with anyone that calls himself a creative or get in touch with Amanda I don't know what I can do but I'd just love to see what people are working on um, yeah let's let's create a, an environment where we're proud of what we what we can create um, check out the show notes follow Amanda on Instagram follow Craft by Mango follow the 1 to 100 podcast and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Remember, spice up your life.